Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. A bit more active, so apologies for the inactivity. It's been due to some extra work. All right, are you ready for tonight? Oh, that's, that's, that yes sounds like everybody's hungry. Are you ready for tonight? Yes. Alright, so we're going to uh, pray, get into the Word. I'm going to teach for 30 minutes. We have another uh, online class I'm teaching by 7.30. So we're going to teach, I'm going to teach for 30 minutes and give 15 minutes for questions. So if you have questions, already note them down. It'll help the process. Let's pray. Let's get into tonight's Word. Father, thank you. Because I'm anointed to teach, thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word in Jesus' mighty name. Alright, how many of you were here when I taught on um, Architect of the Future? Okay. Do you remember some of the lessons I thought in Architect of the Future? Some of the key things that I shared in Architect of the Future. Um, over the years, please pay attention, over the years of working with young people, dealing with singles, I realized that uh, we find out that people actually make the same mistakes about the same things we're teaching again and again. And the reason is because sometimes people hear these teachings and just, oh, nice one, I was changed, I was blessed, but they don't take definitive action. Right? They don't take definitive action. What's going to separate you in this life is action. It's not what you hear. That's why you realize that sometimes when people come up from very funny homes and they say, oh, well, I'm not going to repeat the mistakes of my father and all of that, and they you watch them, you watch them, you almost see that they are heading the same direction. So you must realize, very importantly, that it's not what you hear that changes you. It's what you do with what you hear. So when you come for a meeting like this, it's important that you're listening with the mind to make adjustments. That's very important. So I'm going to ask you to do a very simple stuff on your notes. Make sure you're writing. Um, so I want to talk on the successful single the successful single. So just talk around a couple of things. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things. I want you to do this. I needed a board, but uh, I, I thought of it late. So if you can see my diary, so 10 to 20, can you see what I wrote? 10 to 20, then under 20 to 30, then under 30 to 40, 40 to 50. Can you see it? Some of you are looking like, are looking at angel. Can you see the way I wrote it? This is the way I want you to write it. So 10 to 20, then under 20 to 30, then under 30 to 40. I want you to write it like that until you get to 80. Is it clear? 10 to 20 on the same line, then under 20 to 30, then under 30 to 40. It's simple. You don't need to spy somebody's answer. <laughs> All right? Uh, can you follow it that way? Okay. Then you have 40 to what? To 50, okay? Then you have 
50 to 60. Then you have 60 to 70. Okay, then you have 70 to 80. I am assuming and I'm believing that you would live up to 80. So we're just putting it there. Some people would like to go home a bit earlier. So however your faith can carry you. But pay attention to that. It's very important. Only some foundation on that. When you are 10 to 20, you are practically very much under the tutelage of your parents and the guidance of your parents. And there are very little things you can do for yourself. So a lot of your life between the ages of 10 to 20 is highly determined by your parentage, by your family. So I'll give you an example. If you came from a home where your parents were not very economically empowered, you'd realize that you'd struggle academically, you are not able to pay school fees. So there's a lot of things at that age you cannot control. Now, if you have written that graph down, there are two very important segments there. 20 to 30 and 30 to 40. 20 to 30 and 30 to 40. Uh, from the age of 20 to 30 and from the age of 30 to 40, you are the major driver of your life. You are. Now, that space of 20 to 30 and 30 to 40, it's 20 years. It's 20 years. Now, pay very close attention and follow me. So, from your 10 to your 20, you couldn't do so much. So, your 20 years, you couldn't do so much about your life. You're still very much influenced by your home, your background, your exposure. Now, at 20 to 40, you have everything in this life to correct that. Because at 20, you now have a bit of freedom. The challenge is, when you're single, you take that freedom. And most people cannot wait to be free. So, when they become free, they will bask in that freedom for a long time. And before they realize themselves, the window of that freedom is always closing. And I'll tell you, if there, are, if there is a season in your life that will be very fast, it is 20 to 40. Oh, it will be so fast. It looks 20 years, but it will be so fast. So, when you are... In your early 20s, your marker is 30. When you are in your late 20s, your marker is 40. Have you heard a fool at 40 is a fool forever? I know some of you think it's in the Bible, but it's not. <laughs> Have you heard that statement? When they say a fool at 40 is a fool forever, it doesn't mean the person would actually be a fool forever. It just means that there is a limited window of correcting mistakes. I'll give you an example, natural example. How many companies advertise for 40 year old? Do you realize, if you look at that window, look at that, do you realize that most companies advertise for the window of what? 20 to what? To 30. Max. Yeah. Max, if you, if you, if you, if they really, really want to consider you, they would come. The highest you can get within this window would be 35 the highest you can possibly get. That's even if it exists. 
So you, you must realize that you are, you are not as young as you think you are. And you're 20 to 30 and 30 to 40, you are laying the markers for the remaining course of your life. And so it becomes very important that you handle this age and you handle the freedom you have in this age with intentionality. You're intentional about it. You know, every passing year, you get older. And uh, as you get older, you realize that you cannot do certain things again, even though you want to do them. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, let me give you an example. Some of you, for instance, would like to, let's say you would like to uh, maybe just travel and do some things. You realize that you cannot. Your boss tells you, oh, you cannot. The more you go in life, if the 20s to the 30s and the 30s to the 40s are not properly used, you, you start limiting your options. So you get to 40, you realize you don't have a lot of options. That's why you, you discover, I mean, sorry to use that example, but that's why you discover that some, some older men, they'll be looking for some menial jobs, trying to survive. What are they doing? It's, it's, it's actually a corrective way of living. And you have the chance not to make that mistake. You have to take your life seriously, especially when you get into... The, and most of us are within this window of 20 to 30. It comes so fast. And the reason it comes so fast is you're free. You know, you can go out at night. Nobody would ask you, where are you going? You can... Decide, you know, you don't want to wear shirt anymore. Nobody would ask you. They would just talk to you. Please try and wear shirt. Nobody's going to beat you. So, it, it's a period that is so free that if you don't manage that freedom properly, you realize it has passed. And it's also the period where you have the freedom to stretch your mind. If there's anything that I learn every day, it's that time flies you have to determine the direction it's going to. Time flies. Time flies. There were some people who used to, you know, come with to singles meeting with you guys, and they're gone. In another phase of life. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you here? So, keep this calendar in your heart. Look at where you are in the step. By 40 to your 50s, you should be already established in and also about money in everything around your life you know where you're going you know your direction you know your focus you know your aim and i would like to say this before i continue we all don't have the same advantages in life that's the truth we all don't have the natural the same natural advantage in life even though spiritually we can but we all don't have that. So if you understand that your journey of discovery of purpose was late, you have less time to play. Are you following what I'm saying? You discovered, maybe you just realized purpose at 26, at 27. You, you just realized that you don't now have the time to uh, make further mistakes. 
You know, I, I like I like people who always like to use Abraham as an example. That God called Abraham at seventy, and God sent him, and he gave birth at ninety. It, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's beautiful. But why be Abraham when you can be David? It's in the same Bible. Why be Abraham when you can be Joseph? And truth be said, how many 70-year-old people have you seen embracing vision? Very few. Because at 70, I don't know how much of the vision you want to really, really carry. But when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't choose 70-year-old Peter to be his disciple. He could have. He didn't, he didn't choose Herod's grandfather to be his treasurer. He could have. All the people Jesus chose were young. To carry Christianity. So, your youthful age is a blessing. It's, it's, it's a blessing. And you must not turn it to a curse by your actions and by your decisions. Are you still here? Are you still here? Okay. So, you thought I wanted to teach you today how to find Mrs. Wright. <laughs> and we'll talk about that because in this age, one of the things that, is, that occupies a lot of your mind is relationships. So, we'll talk about that. You must learn, you must learn to put relationship where it's in its proper place so it don't become the dominant conversation in your mind. If not, you would spend your 20s running from one relationship to another, from one relationship to another, from one relationship. And before you know, your, your youthful age is filled of all kinds of relationship. So let's look at this. Success is defined by three parameters. It's three parameters that define success. Number one, there is what is worldly success. You know, so, so, so the world, the world defines success. There's success in the world. What success in the world today? What car are you driving? Am I right? Hey, come on, talk to me. Yeah? What do you think a successful person in the world today would be like? The car you're driving, the size of your television, yeah? And what else? How much money you have in what? Your bank account. That's success according to the world. Unfortunately, I don't know how many of you have taken time to study finances very well. If you read The Millionaire, the millionaire Next Door, if you read a couple of financial books, uh, Richest Man in Babylon, uh, George Classon, and all of those classic, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki. If you read all of those financial books, you would realize that millionaires have frugality to their lifestyle. There is no millionaire who is... And I'm not talking about a Nigerian millionaire. Because we have millionaires in this country whose source of wealth cannot be traced. Unfortunately, those are the kind of people that's paraded in our society, which is an, is an absolute shame. But if you go and study financial books about millionaires that can be tracked, you would realize that they have frugality to the way they live. There is a frugal aspect to their life. This showmanship we see, it exists in the black world. 
Even when you look at America, you realize that most of their black stars and their black artists are the ones that have that lifestyle. It's, 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 it's a generational conditioning of the black man that has to show that he has attained something. And you must deal with that paradigm in your mind. If not, you'll be under constant pressure. Number two, we've got the godly parameter for success. So let me just say this. Every time, let me go back to societal parameters for success. Every time, society changes what success is. So for instance, there was a time where um, if you had a big family, you were successful. How many of you remember that time? Are you here? I mean, some of you are product of that time. That's why you are 72 in your family. Because your father was a very wealthy man. Where, you understand? So, how large your family was determined how successful you were. How large your farms were. You know, gradually, society keeps changing the definition of success. Every time, it keeps changing. keeps changing. So, if you follow societal definition of success you would always not be consistent because it will keep changing. It will keep changing. Society will keep changing. What success is. Number two, you have the godly parameters for success. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. Acts chapter 13 and verse 36. Acts 13.36 says For David after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. He says after he had served God's purpose for his generation. After he had served God's purpose for his generation fell asleep. Served God's... How does God define success? It, success is defined by your purpose in your generation. So success in God's eyes has a time limit and has a specific scope. Remember what I said. There are three parameters for success. Number one, there's worldly success. What the world calls success. And every time that changes from cars to houses to all of this and the young person is under pressure. Remember the graph I gave you. Don't forget that graph. 20 to 10 to 20. 20 to 30. 30 to 40. 20 to 30 and 30 to 40 are 20 years you have to remake your life. To remake your life. To correct mistakes. To set yourself in a trajectory that you want your life to go. Let me tell you this. Don't joke with your life. Don't trivialize it. Don't be emotional about it. Take these lessons I'm sharing with you, take them seriously and implement them. If you fail in life, you absolutely have yourself to blame, no one else. You can blame your parents as long, you know, have you realized that blaming your parents never make you progress? Have you heard somebody say, well, I just want to thank the Lord. I thank God for the way God works in miraculous way. I've been blaming my parents for 30 years. And at the 31st year, I just made it. After consistently blaming my parents. It doesn't work that way. 
Now, the four, now Psalm 139 verse 14, show you something here. Psalm 139 verse 14, we're talking about a successful single. Psalm 139 verse 14. And make sure you're taking things down, make sure you're uh, taking things that you would implement. That's very important. Psalm 139 and verse 14, you know, uh, the psalmist began to talk about verse 13 says for you formed me from my inward part you wove me in my mother's womb I'll give thanks to you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works it says and my soul knows it very well my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. God's got precious thoughts for you. There are precious plans for you that God has for you. How does God rate if you're successful? It's in the accomplishment of these plans. So the first parameter for success is the world. The second parameter for success, it's God. What's the third parameter for success? It's you. You are the third parameter. What does that mean? Who are you going to align with? Whose definition of success are you going to live by? Whose definition? Are you going to align with the world? Or you are going to align with what? With God. Are you here? Come on, I said, are you here? Have you observed the increase of uh, ritual killings, internet fraud, Yahoo, and all of that in an attempt to make wealth? Have you, have you observed that has been on the increase? It's because our generation have embraced the world's definition of success. And let me tell you, I'm going to show you from scriptures. You have to be careful who you model your life after. Nothing in this life you want will fall on your laps. Nothing. I, I had a friend in school, <laughs> very interesting friend. He used to speak very big English. You know, our concept of big English is English that you don't understand. You know, he, he was the first person I heard. Um, Use the word cataclysmic when we were in school. 100 level. We wanted to go and announce. <laughs> we wanted to go and announce in, you know, pre-degree then that we had a, uh, a meeting, a church meeting. So we said, so he said, no, 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 no. He wants to, he wants to be the one to announce. So we said, okay. Well, we should have actually asked him what he wanted to say because we know his tendencies. But, you know, we joke with, with it. So we went to the class so when they said that the program was going to be very cataclysmic, ah! Even we that were organizing the program, we didn't know what. Do you understand? It's like they invite you for a singles meeting. You are you are the one organizing the program. Your friend now said the program will be cataclysmic. You that is organizing the program don't know what cataclysmic means. You know. So we are, he had he, he had very. But you know the interesting thing about about him, he read the dictionary every day. He read the dictionary every day. 
while we laughed at him using big English, we just realized after many years, his vocabulary was far advanced. You know what happened? He put it in there. He put it in there. So our brain could not produce what his brain could produce, even though we're at the same level, because we're not putting the same level of information in our brain. It's the same thing with life. What are you putting into your life? Now that you are expecting that you are going to blow or you are going to explode, how much bomb have you infused into your life? Because we, we just expect that for some reason, God is just going to look at us and just give us this exceedingly life. For goodness sake, God has 7 billion people in this world. And he didn't put them in this world to live by trial and error. There are principles. The earlier in your life you realize this and you walk by it, the better for you. So that from today, you can set a course and tell yourself, in the next five years, this is where I will end up. You can predict your life. This is not about feeling sorry for yourself. It doesn't help. It's about making the right choices. So which success, what, what definition of success are you going to align with? Following God's purpose, following God's plan, or the world? There's pressure in the world. There's a lot of pressure. Okay? But following God's plan, God has a plan for you. It's unique. Everybody has a unique plan. And that's the good thing about the plan of God. It's unique. It's crafted for you. It's ordained for you. It's not like anybody else has. Alright? Now, crafting your future, you have to be deliberate about the future you're walking into. Write that statement down. In crafting your future, you have to be deliberate about the future you're walking into. And let me explain this to you, and I really, really want this to be clear to you. There is nothing like the future. Let me explain it. Pay attention. There is nothing like the future. The future is what you're doing every day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at me. You know, if someone is here, we have this mindset that, you know, our future is here. Huh? Have you, you, you know, you, uh, choir people used to sing that song. What's it? Uh, colorful something, something. My future is bright. Uh, my future is bright. I will get there. You know, it's, it, the easiest part is the song. That you will get there, we're not sure. You decide if you will get there. And the future is not something in front. Every day you are walking into the future. How many of you honestly thought in the year 2000, 2023 was far? Right? From the year 2000 to 2023, how many years is that? Huh? Hey, talk, talk, talk to me. How many years? 23 years. How many of you are alive in 2000? <laughs> Wait, not sure. Some of you should not be. Okay, 2000. How many of you honestly thought in the year 2000? Like 2023. Ah, it's still far ahead. How many of you thought that way? How many of you are surprised? That it's already half of 20. That's how one day 
it will be 2050. You just look at yourself in the mirror, gray hair, rumpled eyelashes, and you just realize it's 2050. And you see a small child calling you grandma, grandma. It's over. Whistle has been blown. Game is over. All the dreams, all the aspiration, all the books you wanted to read, it's gone. So what am I saying? There's nothing like the future. By the time you leave this meeting now, you are entering the future tomorrow. When you wake up tomorrow, you've entered the future. When you wake up on Thursday, you've entered the future. Are you following what I'm saying? When you get to August, you've entered the future. Every day, you enter a bit of your future. So just sitting and hoping by the time 2050 comes, hmm? let me ask you another question. How many of you realize that some of the goals you set that you're going to accomplish by June, when you, December, some of you have forgotten where that goal paper is. Have you realized that you didn't accomplish them? You know why you didn't accomplish them? You didn't act on them. Do we have people like that? Let me see how many people want to make heaven. Do we have people here who set goals in January to be done by June and you have not accomplished those goals? Let me see your hand. Do you know the reason you haven't accomplished those goals? It's one simple reason. You did not act on them. Can I use that example to build something further? That's how your future is. You see, that future you have written on paper, if you don't act on it, you will get into that future and realize nothing is built. How many of you save, well, we have a lot of savings mechanism now, but how many of you used to save with your friends and then at the end of the, this is the work, workers, right? At the end of one particular circle, somebody will take, yeah? Hey, come on, talk to me, Right? Uh, some of you still do it. They don't run away with your money again. In those days, they used to run away with people. Okay. But do you realize this? Let's say it's 5,000. Let's say it's 1,000. Do you realize that when, every, when it's anybody's turn to take what they have invested, do you realize that workers who did not participate, they feel jealous, but there's nothing for them to take. So maybe we're 10 in the office, five of us decide we're going to put this money and buy cow. Let's say at the end of the, the December period. We all put our money, we all buy cow. Do you realize that when we are sharing our cow, people who didn't put will just be there. Say, ha, ah, this is well low. How much do people buy it? Uh-uh. Is, it uh, is it female cow? Or all those questions are questions of regret and guilt. Say, is it Ausao or Iboka? Uh, no, it's, it's Calabar cow. Leave it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is there is someone that's oh let me can I is this biscuit bone or it's not biscuit? Why are you interested? You know, all of a sudden they just realize oh we could have had a share, oh we could have participated, but you realize they didn't put in the effort, so there is no expectation. Don't get to the future in life, and when people are sharing things in the future, you are asking is it biscuit bone? Is this calabar something? You, are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why it's easy to blame generational causes. Because when you look at your life and realize you haven't achieved anything, you must hold somebody. 
You say, oh, it's the idol my father serves 45 years ago. But you are serving God. See, I want you to leave this meeting tonight with a consciousness that you have a great role to play in how your life ends up. And Christian youths, sometimes we can be so lazy because we just feel God will bless us. Oh, God will speak His favor on us. And we are inactive. We're not deliberate about our lives. It's amazing how every day we wake up, we go to bed, we're entering the future. Every day. Every day. You know, even me, you know, I've been so, I got into ministry quite early. I've been teaching this all my life. You know, but every day I wake up, the, it's not the fear, but the, the speed at which the future rushes at me is alarming. I just look at, wow, a whole lot of things that I haven't done. A whole lot of things that I need to do. A whole lot of opportunities that are coming. And sometimes I ask myself, what, have, what if I didn't prepare myself like this? When I came to the island, I mean, thank God, I'm seeing some of my guys there who used to come to Girls and Guys at Tel Aviv, right? Miracle. When we started, like 20, he was just like joke. Which I just came to the island. We just started. It's 10 years already. 10 years. And before you know, you're doing 20th anniversary. Time flies. You have to be the pilot. You have to be the pilot. Alright. So, never make life events. Never make life an event, sorry. But let it be based on your daily journey of progress. Let me explain that very clearly. Your life should not be, when I get married, I will be happy. When I buy a car, I will be happy. When I go to school, I will be happy. If you make your life event-based, you will never have true joy. You know what? You should make your life everyday progress. What progress would you make tomorrow that would make you happy? Read a book. Save some money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That thing that you have built your happiness around, by the time you get there, you realize that it's not enough to make you happy. So, don't build your life. You know, some people just feel... Oh, immediately I get married to the love of my life. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll talk about relationship. I know you like to hear relationship matters. I'm happy. It's not true. You'll be happy. But then after the love of your life, the children of your life will come. You know, after the children of your life come, then the school fees of the children of your life will come. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Then you now have to deal with your child is now growing up. You now have to deal with character formation. You now have to deal with discipline. You now have to deal with a couple of things. And then your child of your life will now bring somebody home. You now have to deal with would I want this for a mother, for a daughter-in-law, a son-in-law? Yeah, you have to. <laughs> so you just realize that even that whole concept of marriage, there's a whole lot more to it than just after we gather with you on a Saturday from 10 to 12. It's a whole life on its own. It's a whole journey on its own. So, don't make one event in your life. It's like me as a pastor saying, until this church gets to a thousand members, I will not be happy. No! 
I remember when we were to start this meeting this evening, quite a number of people were not here. And, you know, I was asked, uh, the, the attendance is a bit... I said, I'm, I'm happy to just teach anybody who is available. Because if I make my happiness based on the number of people that attend, then it's really something I cannot control in that sense. I'm just happy to teach. I'm just happy to be of a blessing to the number of people who are available. I've stopped making my life an event based. There's no one event that would happen in my life right now that would give me joy. It's about waking up every day, being of a blessing to someone, writing my books, preaching the gospel, loving my family, looking after the church. Every day ought to contribute to your happiness. Don't live your life to one event. It's not that one man that will walk into your life. It's not that one girl that would walk into your life. It's not that one job you will get. Are you following what I'm saying? It's not that one promotion that you will get. Are you, are you, are you there? Say amen if you're here. Alright. Then let's, uh, let's progress. We're looking at a successful single. Who you choose to be your model is critical in life. In your single seasons, you must learn to harness the power of mentorship. I want to read two interesting stories to you. Turn with me please to 2 Kings chapter 22. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 2. 2 Kings 22 and verse 1 to 2. Interesting story. 2 Kings 22, I just want to show you something here. And verse 1 to 2. It says, Josiah was 8 years old when he became king. And he reigned 30, 31 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adiah of Boskat. Those of you who are looking for names for your children in the future, there's a name there, Boskat. Alright. <laughs> Number 2. He did right in the, in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of his father David. Nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. This young man was eight years old. And he walked after his fa- the ways of his father David. Alright. Go with me to Second Kings chapter 23 and verse 31. 2 Kings 23, 31. Interesting story. Jehoahaz was 23 years old. So the young man was eight years old. Walked after the way of his father David. Brought reformation to Israel. This was 23 years old. When he became king, he reigned three months in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his fathers had done. Interesting. Pay attention. Here was an eight-year-old man. He chose his role model. He chose David. He walked after the ways of David. He patterned his life after David. Here was a 23-year-old man. He says he did evil according to all that his fathers had done. So we, we, we learned something here. It wasn't their age that influenced their action. It was whom they chose to model their life after. That's very important. It's not your age that influences your action. It's who you choose to model your life after. Who are you modeling your life after? An eight-year-old child chose David and modeled his life after David. And the Bible says he did what was right. And if you read the whole chapter, go back and study it. He brought reformation to the whole of Israel. Please, God. And here was a 23-year-old man 
The Bible says he did evil according to all that his fathers have done. Your life right now, it's not moving in the direction you choose because of who you have chosen to model yourself after. If you model yourself after people who are not working right, your actions will not be right. You've got to choose your models rightly. If there's anything I would suggest to you in your 20s is to harness the power of mentorship. When I look back at my life, I can say, outside of a decision to make a difference in the world, the second most important thing that happened to me is choosing absolute accountability and proper mentorship. Where you are going, there's already someone headed in that direction. You know, a few weeks ago, I was somewhere outside of the country, and they, they didn't speak so much English. They, speak, they spoke Dutch and French. So, I, I was looking for the train station. So, uh, I'd forgotten that I didn't have internet. So, they just told me, it's, it's eight minutes work. You know, when white people tell you eight minutes work, it's eight minutes. But you know the way they work. You know, for them, eight minutes for three minutes, you are there by the time you walk your Nigerian walk. So, so obviously, uh, I was walking like a Nigerian, so eight minutes and this and so I obviously walked past the train station. Then I looked and I didn't have internet. So I saw this guy, he looked like someone who was traveling, so I tried to speak with him. He obviously was going to the airport, I was going to the airport, he, was, he spoke Dutch and, you know, he, he showed the way and it was very easy. He just said, come along. Come along was the only English both of us spoke. If he goes right, I'll go right. If he goes left, I'll go. He just, it, it made it easy. I didn't have to understand the language. I didn't have to read the signs. I just had to go along. But I trusted him. That's important. Because if, if he had taken me somewhere else, I'm not sure I'll use it as an example. But the truth of the matter is, some of you are trying to figure out life when some people had already passed that journey and already know where you should take this is where I'm coming to. In this age where you are free, you have to use the freedom to choose proper role models. Because there is a thing about this age of 20 to 30, 30 to 40 that makes you feel, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. But if you know what you are doing, what are the results that your life is producing? You can assume that you have knowledge, Scripture says, wisdom is justified by what? Her children. So, I know what I'm doing. Where is your life? The fruits of your knowledge is the results that you're producing. Why not choose mentorship? Why not align yourself? You know, all the time, even while I was in the university, which was interesting, I had pictures of preachers all around my world. I always work with images around me. I always keep setting images in my heart. I remember even though I, I really didn't want to become a preacher, I, I always loved Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream guy. You know, I read everything about Martin Luther. Bought his books, read everything. Read his speeches. Later from Montgomery uh, um, Jail. His letters from Alabama. Uh, all his letters from jail. His sermons. It just kept me focused. I remember one time I, I was a bit interested in computer. 
And I had to study about Philip Emigali, the first Nigerian who developed the supercomputer, works in the U.S., worked the U.S. security. I printed a hundred pages, all the speeches he made. You have to be deliberate about who you keep in front of you. You have to be deliberate. You know, our mentorship today is emotional. It's very emotional. So, if your mentor talks to you, you talk to him. You know, you can say, I have not said anything to the man since. He will say, he's somebody's mentor. He's somebody not alive. He's not some... And then, I mean, the mentorship has started. He said, don't mind that man, stupid man. It's willful accountability. It's willfully saying, listen, I trust where you're going. I trust your decisions. I trust your wisdom. And I want to tag along the journey. Maximize mentorship in your office. Who is the best? Tag along. See, see, let me tell you something. Life is too complex. You cannot figure it out on your own. You need help. Even as I am here, there are decisions I need to make. I run them off a couple of folks. I want to do this. What do you think? I want to do this. What do you think? I want to do this. What books are you recommending? What stuff are you... You've got to. You've got to. You don't need to repeat the mistakes of your mentors. Mike Mundock said mentors are shortcuts to success. They'll show you the paths. They'll show you the easy way out. Of course, there's no easy way out, but I'll show you just where to put your foot. All right. So, who is my mentor? Who is my role model? How, I, how accountable am I going to be? You know? And what I also realize most times in this generation is we have partial accountability. So, we are accountable in the areas we feel we should be accountable, and we are accountable in other areas we feel we should not be accountable. But let me tell you something about mentorship. Every area of your life contributes to whatever decision you're going to make. Your life is not isolated. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hey, come on. Are you following me? Your life is not isolated. Your relationship life will affect your financial life. Your financial life will affect your relationship life. It will affect your spiritual life. I mean, you can have an important meeting about to happen and then they send you one SMS that makes you depressed. You've, everything is just going to happen. So, your life, has, is a, your life is a complete pack. It's not one segment. And no, it's a complete pack. Your spiritual life and everything it's important. So, how accountable am I going to be? Then let's move to the next thing: developing spiritual disciplines. De- developing spiritual disciplines. It's important to understand that life is spiritual, so you have to develop spiritual disciplines. How do you engage a spiritual world without being spiritual or being spiritually equipped? How would your life turn out if you prayed some more? How would your life turn out if you studied the word some more? How would your life turn out if you listened to messages some more? Right? How would your life turn out? You know, yesterday as we were about to go to bed, I explained a message. You know, and I mean, some stuff just hit me so strong in that message. I was like, wow. You know, and I was getting ready for this meeting. So I just asked myself, what about if I didn't listen to that message? How would your life turn out if you prayed some more? Do you have spiritual disciplines? Because this age is an age of freedom where if, if you don't... Nobody, listen, I mean, you guys are big guys and big girls, right? Nobody's going to knock you on the head and say, did you not pray? 
You know when you were living with your parents, whether you wanted to pray or not, they dragged you in the morning devotions. Hey, my friend, pray. Pray today. And then you prayed. But nobody's going to ask you. You can live one year without prayer. Nobody will ask you. Even if your friends ask you, you can wave it off. That's what I'm talking about. You have the freedom right now to do whatever you want. You can even have a public prayer life and not a, prayer, a, a private prayer life. Nobody will know. You can just come and speak some heavy tongues. Say, man, that guy can pray. Pour a lot of spit on the microphone. It's your private disciplines. The beautiful thing about life is that you cannot reap what you've not planted. That's the beautiful thing. You know, the scripture says in Galatians chapter 6, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he shall reap. You cannot mock God. So in this age that you are in, you don't want to operate in self-deception. You want to be honest with yourself. You want to ask yourself the difficult questions. You want to ask yourself the hard questions. And you want to put in the job. Because you know what? The life you are building right now is the foundation that your children are going to build on. Your laziness will impact them. Your prayerlessness will impact them. Your lack of financial accountability will impact them. However you live now is a foundation for your family. And that's why, you know, sometimes people say, well, when I married this girl, she was very... <laughs> you know, it's going to be funny. Say, you know, when I saw this girl in church, she was very... Uh, she was really following God. Yeah. She just showed you a path. Right? So do you a part. So it's important that you're laying the right foundation. Okay. So Jesus says, when you pray, mark it, Mark 6 5. Matthew 6 5, sorry. When you pray, when you pray, says, when you pray. Mark 1 35, the Bible says, while it was yet before dawn, Jesus will go to a secluded place and pray. Jesus had spiritual discipline. When I mentor people, the first thing I like to give them is spiritual discipline. Read the word. Pray daily. Speak the word daily. Just spiritual discipline. It's a proper foundation. It's an important foundation. This is not about trying to become a pastor. This is about developing spiritual strength. To overcome the challenges of life. Are you here? Developing spiritual strength to overcome the challenges of life. Alright. Then I said advancing, the next top, subtopic... Advancing at the speed of knowledge. Advancing at the speed of knowledge. Matthew thirteen fifteen. This is a concept that dropped in my heart recently that I've been pursuing. Matthew thirteen fifteen. Advancing at the speed of knowledge. It says, For the heart of these people has become dull, with their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. It says, Otherwise, otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Verse 14 says, you keep on hearing but we not understand. You keep on seeing but we not perceive. That's, that's what I'm saying. Some of you keep hearing these principles. You have to come to application. 
The Bible says that if they hear and understand, they will turn. They will make a change of direction. Let me tell you this. Knowledge ought to affect your direction. Knowledge has to affect your direction. You cannot claim you know something and you're repeating the same mistakes. You don't know it. You are hearing, but your heart is dull. So there is something about advancing at the speed of knowledge. What does that mean? You have to adequately equip yourself for the future. So if there is a certain future you want to get to, you must have a knowledge base that gives you speed. Some people want to get married. They don't read marriage books. What do you want to do in the marriage? You know, because, because some, so, you know, singles just feel now that since rain has started falling, you know how we think as singles, that now that rain is falling, all married people have just thrown away their clothes and have started kissing. You, you know, so immediately rain starts falling. You say, oh God, when will it be my turn? No problem. You will soon marry. You, <laughs> you know, I was telling them, I think it was in Holland, I was telling them that, it's when you now get married after a while, you realize that when you now, you are not wearing clothes and walking about, your husband will now ask you, what do you mean you know they wear clothes they give for her? You will just share. <laughs> so, you know, in your mind, you just feel, oh, since rain has started falling, married people have stopped everything they are doing. They have thrown their clothes away. They are now under the duvet. Don't worry. You will marry. Rain will fall. No, God will not, God will not stop raining our own season. You see, those... <laughs> Those warped concepts of marriage is what makes you feel lonely unnecessarily. There are some people right now that even though the rain is falling, they are feeling heat because children will resume school tomorrow. There's no food. Sex is the last thing in their mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are some now that have carried buckets to go and fetch water because this is the only... There are many things people are thinking. What you are thinking is not what they are thinking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. Someone say, oh, don't worry, my case will be different. No problem. Okay, so let's go to marriage matters. Marriage matters. When you are in that 20 to 30, 30 to 40, marriage becomes a key issue. Marriage becomes a key issue. Now it's important. It's important and we have to have a conversation on it. First, first of all, let's talk about relationship very quickly. There are now because of technology uh, in our generation, people practice long distance relationship, and that's very that's 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 what some people do. So it's important to understand that long distance relationship has its own requirements, its own level of trust, its own level of discipline, its own level of boundaries. So, if you decide that you are, or if you are in a long-distance relationship, then you must know how to also conduct yourself. So, let me give you an example. For instance, you cannot be in a uh, you cannot be in a long-distance relationship with someone, for instance, and then you now have someone where you are that is closer to you than that person you are in a relationship with. That already will create issues for you. Are you, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? So if I'm in a long distance relationship with somebody who is not on the island, for instance, 
It means that I will exercise a greater level of discipline because that person is not physically present. If not, what's going to happen in my long distance relationship is although I have a relationship with somewhere, somebody somewhere in another place, it will be the person who is on ground that will be providing the emotional cover for the relationship. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? So these are conversations you need to have with yourself if I'm in a long distance relationship. Then number two, uh, you can also have close relationships. That means you can be in a relationship with someone uh, around you. Now it's important that you learn to create proper boundaries in your relationship. And that's very important. And I'll just say this, right? Respect and dignity for yourself simply means that if someone is in a relationship, you respect that. You, 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 that's respect for yourself. I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. Are you following what I'm saying? That's respect for yourself. So, you are in a relationship, and I'm aware that you are in a relationship. Respect for myself, and respect for you means... There is a healthy boundary because I recognize that you are in a relationship. And, and, and sometimes these are the lines that are blurred in our interaction as singles that creates emotional problem for us. So for instance, someone is in a long distance relationship and you're extremely close to them. Or someone has a relationship and you're extremely close to them. What now happens is both of your hearts begin to falter. You begin to move from emotions of close. Now, you're close to this person. You know you can't have this person. And, you know, all those kind of wayward emotions start playing. So, from the onset, on your journey to marriage, you must define what form of relationship you're in. Am I in a long-distance relationship? Am I in a close relationship? What are the parameters I'm going to set? That's important. Then, do not get it... Okay then do not leave your relationship life to assumption. Don't leave, I beg you, don't leave your relationship life to assumption. What do I mean by that? If someone is getting close to you, you want to ask the questions, ask. And this is something that is very important I want to deal with. When I say don't leave your relationship life to assumption, I also mean don't leave it to assumption in the sense that even people around you are assuming something. So, both of you are not in a relationship, but everybody else thinks you are in a relationship. That's living, that, that's living your life to assumption. I know people who should have been married who are not married because they've got friends close to them where everybody thought, oh, they had something going, they had something going. I say, no, we are just friends. No, there should be clarity. Don't live your life to assumptions where people feel there is a relationship and there is no relationship. Those assumptions can be costly. Someone might want to ask your hand in marriage and feels, oh, someone is there. Uh, or someone is asking someone if you are free and they feel, oh, no, you are not free. Until one of you now brings a wedding card and everybody's wondering what happened. They say, no, there was nothing, no, and everybody had gone ahead. 
So you must not create assumptions around your life. And it's important. Now, sometimes we always feel these things don't matter. I don't care. Let people think whatever they want to think. The truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, you will not marry yourself. Am I right? You will not marry yourself. Somebody at least will have to say, I want to marry you. So by the time you've created all those assumptions around you, and you've wasted your precious times in... So, I mean, there's nothing wrong in having friends, but a friendship that will not lead to marriage should be clearly defined. So that if you are single, people know you are single. If you're not single, people know you're not single. It should be clear. Don't just feel like, um, you know, at the right time, God will do the right things. It's not God that will marry you. It's a man or it's a woman. So we, we, we can't just go about our lives unassuming and causing wrong assumptions in relationship. Is love blind? Yes, it is. And no, it's not. Yes, it is because it's important that you set your parameters before you get into any relationship. Because by the time you start falling in love with someone, your logical brain is suspended. That's the truth. So before you start falling in love, before you start wanting the company of someone else, before you have to set your parameters. Who can I marry? Who can I not marry? If you go back to architect of the future, I taught you on your space, your emotional space zone, where you should allow people into. And when people get into, let me tell you the truth. If there's anything that is very difficult to break, it's emotions when you like someone. You would always make excuse for them. That's the number one reason people stay in abusive relationships. It's nothing. Have you seen people in abusive relationships and everybody outside is asking, why is this girl still going out? I mean, they will hit your head with fry pan. They will hit you. You come, you cry. Stupid man. Why are you hitting my head with fry pan? They will come and drag you. Say, don't go there again. Don't try it again. Say, yes. Don't mind him. Goat. Pig. Then Tuesday, you will not be the one saying, eh, what, can somebody not change? Once they start asking that question, open the door. They are on their way back. And, and we laugh about this, but I can say that every one of us seated here knows somebody who is hooked in an abusive relationship that it's not counsel, it's not, because emotions are difficult to break. So you don't want to commit emotions before you do your thought process. So you want to have your parameters. Who can you marry? And that's why sometimes you also have to tell yourself, listen, I am good enough to wait for the right person. If not, what happens is if you waited for a while and nobody's coming, what begins to happen? You begin to lower all your standards. Uh, okay, if, he can, if he's not drinking, but he drinks one glass, I can marry. <laughs> and before you know, all your standards are dropped. You must not get desperate. You must not get desperate. Desperation will lower your values. Desperation will lower your values. So, do not get into a relationship with someone who cannot flow with the vision God has placed in your heart. What's the vision God has placed in your heart? What is it that you see yourself doing? Then if someone is already in a relationship, respect that fact. Being aware that someone is in a relationship is enough. It's not what you say, it's what your actions are saying. Your actions shouldn't portray that you don't respect that then let's look at this. Six reasons, six wrong reasons 
to marry. This was um, some reasons by Kate McVeigh. Six wrong reasons to marry. Number one, pressure from family and friends. If there's something I have decided in my life, even where my kids are concerned, is the issue of not pressuring anybody to get married. You see, marriage is not something people should do under pressure. We are desperate to carry grandkids. We are desperate to see people married. But listen, marriage is a journey people have to undertake with convictions. So it's not about pressure from family or friends. Because when the pressure of marriage comes, no one is going to be there with you. Number two, your biological clock is ticking, especially for the ladies. Right? So once the birthdays come, you consider yourself, consider your age is going, a couple of things and a couple of things and a couple of things. So, not just because you're getting older. Number three, you're lonely. Hmm? So just because you're lonely, you feel, oh, it's time to get married. Number four, someone loves you. Okay, so someone loves you, but you don't really love them back. And it's interesting, we've seen cases like that where, yeah, it looks like it's only one party. Or you love someone, but they don't really love you the way you love them. Right? Every relationship has to be mutual. The love has to be mutual. Marriage is not one person bringing 90% love and the other person bringing 10%. No. It has to be mutual. Physical looks. Hmm? You just saw this damn cell and your heart began to beat. <laughs> While looks are important, you cannot marry just because of physical looks. I mean, physical looks will change over time. And God forbid something happens to that physical look. What, what, what would you do? So you cannot marry just for physical looks. Number six, you think no one else needs you. Alright? You just think, oh, if this person lives my life, I can't have anyone else. So there is that whole feeling of no one else needing you. So it's important that we understand that these are very key areas that we must examine. The last area, just say it in two minutes and then we will wrap up is on money matters. Money matters. The successful single must learn how to manage their finances. At this age, for some of us, we have a lot of money. At this age, we are getting a lot of money. For some of us, we don't have a lot of money. You want to avoid debts. You want to avoid a debt lifestyle. You want to spend time to read basic money books. You want to learn how to budget. You want to learn proper investments. Not just get rich quick schemes. Go read financial books. Buy some books on finances and invest in them. Your knowledge. Some of you are earning a lot at this age. How are you managing it? Huh? Learn proper budgeting. It's very important. Learn how to work by budget. Alright? So avoid costly money mistakes. Avoid trying to get rich quickly. What if you invest the next five years building a solid foundation for your finances? Alright? So I want you to take all of these lessons. Remember what we said about your relationship and all of that. And it's very important. Create the boundaries. Don't leave your relationship life to assumptions. Don't say, oh, it doesn't matter what people think. 
Everybody cannot be assuming you are in a relationship with someone and you're not. If you discover someone is in a relationship, create healthy boundaries. Respect yourself and respect that person by creating healthy boundaries. If you're in a long-distance relationship, that's how to govern yourself when you're in a long-distance relationship. Are you blessed? Alright, so let's pray and then we'll take our questions. Father, we pray that you will take these words and grieve them in our hearts. And you cause that we will live by them. And that our lives will be supernaturally turned around. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email. Info at pastormax.ng or you can call 0805 888 7575. God bless you.